Mark your calendars! The ADCES 24 Annual Conference parades into New Orleans August 9-12, through 12, 2024. Registration opens March 26, but you can start planning your trip now. Get ready to seize opportunities to connect, learn, and optimize your diabetes care and education practice. Stay tuned for updates at ADCES24.org. Hello and welcome to the ADCES's podcast, The Huddle, Conversations with the Diabetes Care Team. In each episode, we speak with guests across the diabetes care space to bring you perspectives, issues, and updates that elevate your role, inform your practice, and ignite your passion. I'm your host, Jody Lavin Tompkins, a board-certified nurse in advanced diabetes management and the Director of Accreditation and Content Development at the Association of Diabetes Care and Education Specialists. Our guest today is Dr. Thomas Blevins, a practicing endocrinologist located in Austin at the Texas Diabetes and Endocrinology Practice. His practice is devoted to bringing the latest in diabetes advances, thyroid care, and osteoporosis diagnostics and treatment to Austin and Central Texas. Dr. Blevins attended the University of Texas at Austin as an undergraduate and attended medical school at the Baylor College of Medicine in Houston, completing his internal medicine and endocrinology training there as well. He's been in Austin since 1986 and was with the Austin Diagnostic Clinic until 2001 when he founded Texas Diabetes and Endocrinology. Dr. Blevins has a particular interest in endocrinology-related education and research and is here with us today to talk about interchangeable biosimilars. This podcast is sponsored by Viatris Incorporated. Dr. Blevins, welcome to the huddle. Jody, it's good to be here. This is a topic that's very, very near to my heart and I love to talk about. Well, great. I know we've had recently had a few biosimilar insulins approved. And since this is relatively new, we'd like to know how you trained your diabetes care and education specialists on your team and how that translates to explaining this to people with diabetes. Yes. Uh, let me just, as a backdrop, say there is some very good information from the American Diabetes Association that people might want to look at regarding biosimilars. And we're going to be using these terms to uh, biosimilar and other terms. And let me just mention uh, and give you some definitions, too, before we go too far. Uh, a biologic is a pharmaceutical agent created in living cells, and that requires a lot of expertise and state-of-the-art technology and development and manufacturing. And so insulins are biologics. A biosimilar is a biologic medicine that's highly similar to a reference biologic with no clinically meaningful differences in terms of safety, purity, and potency. So, for example, in the insulin world, the original, like, say, uh, glargine, the basal insulin, uh, would be the reference biologic. And other products that want to be approved need to show that they're very like that, and they would be biosimilar. Now, a lot of people like to use the word generic, and I'll say this a few times probably, and that's not really relevant to biologics, but it's kind of a descriptive. It's kind of what people like to say. So that's one thing I want to point out right off the bat. And, you know, one thing that's really important is that people with diabetes shouldn't have to choose between their meds and other essentials like housing. 
and the, the price of insulin has been a very major cost when it comes to treating people with diabetes. And insulin's cost, and everyone here that knows about this and knows about insulin has been around for a while at least, the cost of insulin tripled between 2002 and 2013. And it became quite expensive. And so the price has really gone up for most of the popular types of insulin. And everybody, again, here, all the people who are diabetes-oriented know about that. And, you know, a few just stats to tell you, because a lot of when we talk about biosimilars, we're really talking about cost savings. Uh, good medicine, an excellent medicine, and medicine that works really well in saving money. It turns out that people with diabetes account for one in every four dollars spent on healthcare in the United States. That's a major, and also cost of insulin per year fifteen billion dollars to people. And so, well, we can go on and on about stats. We all know too when we talk to people with diabetes that sometimes people actually skip doses and don't take the insulin because it's expensive. Then that's not a good thing when it comes to their diabetes. Now, biosimilars, and I, I explained that earlier, biologic medicine is highly similar, come in various different uh, sort of approaches and formulations, and they're not new. People have been exposed to biosimilars for quite some time, and now we have biosimilars in the area of insulin, which is really exciting. And even vaccines have biosimilars. So it's really, really important that we understand biosimilars in diabetes. And so what is critical for people to understand and what we tell our educators and our staff is that biosimilars are highly regulated and actually getting approved as a biosimilar is regulated by the FDA. And so some keys to understand here is that the biosimilars are, are well studied. Then once you have a biosimilar in place, there's this other concept called interchangeability. Interchangeability means that if a person like a patient with diabetes, a person with diabetes goes to the pharmacy and the pharmacy has a less expensive version of their insulin, for example, that they can have it interchanged. And so interchangeability means that the FDA has required another level, yet another level, I'm emphasizing that, of sort of testing to show that this biosimilar is so similar to the original product that it can be switched to the biosimilar from the original product. And then if people go on down in the future and find that the original product is cheaper than the biosimilar, I guess it could happen, then they can switch back and forth and, not, and expect the same efficacy and safety. And that's a really important point to make. And so uh, biosimilars, they've come now into the forefront when it comes to diabetes and managing cost of insulin. And, and that's really where this goes, is that we now have some alternatives that are less expensive. And I may say this a few times, but affordability means access when it comes to treatments like insulin. Okay, well, you mentioned interchangeability and the concept of that. And so when it comes to interchangeability with respect to biosimilar insulin, what is the evidence behind defining interchangeability for that particular medication? Yeah, according to the FDA, uh, that's a really important question. An interchangeable biologic product is actually, again, a biosimilar that meets these additional requirements. And so the interchangeable product can be substituted at the pharmacy. And whether it can be or not is really very dependent on state pharmacy laws. But at the federal level, it's permitted and the states have to approve it. Uh, and interchangeable biologic products may help increase access, as I mentioned. 
But and again, just to emphasize this, the product that has an interchangeable designation from the FDA means it can be substituted at the pharmacy for the reference product without the healthcare provider having to get involved. And it's kind of like generic meds are, are substituted at the pharmacy level. And clearly, and important to emphasize, not all biosimilars are interchangeable. They have to go through a rigorous sort of study process to show that they are. And they have to get approval from the FDA. And the company has to go through a formal approval process uh, with the FDA to get approved as an interchangeable product. So I hope that's clear. Interchangeability uh, allows the pharmacy to switch back and forth. And what's really important, I think, and what I try to emphasize to people we work with, is that you really want a study done to show that a product is highly similar, number one, and has highly similar efficacy and safety to the reference product so that you can feel good about interchangeability. So when a product is approved as interchangeable, I think we can all feel good that it's going to give a person that virtually the same effect that the reference product gave them in terms of, in this case, diabetes control effect. According to the FDA, an interchangeable biologic product is a biosimilar that meets additional requirements and may be substituted for the reference product at the pharmacy, depending on state pharmacy laws. Interchangeable biologic products, which are also called interchangeable biosimilars or interchangeable products, may help increase patient access to biologics. A product that carries an interchangeable designation from the FDA means that it may be substituted at the pharmacy for its reference product without the intervention of the prescribing healthcare provider. Now, that's much like how generic drugs are routinely substituted for brand name drugs. Not all biosimilars are interchangeable, and companies must submit an application with adequate information to support and interchangeability determination for their product to be approved, finally approved as an interchangeable biosimilar. So, Dr. Blevins, you did mention the FDA. What does the FDA require for interchangeability? Yeah, that's an important question. The FDA requires that a manufacturer of a proposed interchangeable product show that the product is biosimilar to the reference product, number one, and that it can be expected, number two, to produce the same clinical result as the reference product in any given patient. And that requires, of course, studies with people with diabetes. And the manufacturer must also demonstrate that for a product administered to a patient more than once, there's no additional risk or reduced efficacy if a patient switches back and forth between an interchangeable product and a reference product compared to using the reference product without switching. Okay, so thanks for that great overview of biologics, biosimilars, interchangeable, the FDA, the studies, and all of that. That's great information. So I want to move on to looking at, from your perspective, what you think the benefit of biosimilars is to the healthcare system. Yeah, I'd be happy to. Clinical outcomes with interchangeable products are expected to be the same as reference products. And in this case, again, we're talking about the biosimilar insulin compared to the reference insulin. And interchangeable biosimilar insulin provides people with diabetes more choices for their basal insulin coverage, or it could be bolus insulin too. And it may be a more affordable option. 
Biosimilar products typically launch with an initial price that is 15 to 35% lower than the reference product. Additionally, the addition of biosimilar interchangeable products as a whole can help drive overall prices of insulin down through increased competition with the marketplace insulins. Then also they will provide people with diabetes an additional option to choose from. So the idea is that the biosimilar insulin is less expensive. That's a great thing for people with diabetes, price improvement. So we talked about the healthcare system. What do you think this means for people with diabetes? I know you mentioned a little bit about that, but maybe there's more. Yeah, there's more. You know, people with diabetes have medicine to treat their diabetes, their blood sugar. They have medicine to treat the cholesterol. They're really, it's a busy life. They have uh, sometimes, the you know, they do finger sticks. They use the technology, maybe continuous glucose monitoring. And this adds up. It's expensive. And so... So I think this thing about biosimilars and interchangeability actually offers uh, considerable potential for cost savings. I'll say it again, as I said earlier, affordability means access. And when people can afford the treatment, it's going to be something they're probably going to use, more likely to use, and use effectively. There are a number of things about interchangeability that are important to point out. and that You cannot understate the importance of interchangeability. One of the advantages would be ease of changing to a less expensive product. So the pharmacy knows what's less expensive, and they can just change it right there if it's interchangeable. They don't have to go through five phone calls, you know, all kinds of responses and back and forth. To me, as a medical provider, I like that. That means I don't have to pick up a phone call or answer a message and say, yeah, it's okay to substitute. Why do I need to be in the middle of that? And so less medical provider time is good for the provider. And really for the patient, there's less time maybe spent at the pharmacy waiting for approvals or spent waiting for approvals outside the pharmacy. And it's a a more seamless movement to a lower cost of insulin, really. And again, access, affordability, lower cost to the patient, lower cost of the healthcare system. And so I think this is a big deal. And so I think this biosimilar move, interchangeability move is very important to people with diabetes. Well, Dr. Blevins, that's great. Yes, you ended on a very important point. And I want to thank you for taking the time to join us for this episode of The Huddle and for sharing your knowledge and experience with our audience. For me, as a diabetes care and education specialist, I know how useful this information is for practice. So I'm sure our listeners really appreciate hearing your firsthand experience. Jody, thank you for having me speak on this topic. I've enjoyed the discussion. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of The Huddle. To access additional resources, head over to diabeteseducator.org forward slash podcast. And remember, ADCES membership gets you free access to resources, education, and networking that improve your practice and optimize outcomes for your clients. Learn more about what ADCES can do for you at diabeteseducator.org forward slash join. The information in this podcast is for informational purposes only and may not be appropriate or applicable for your individual circumstances. This podcast does not provide medical or professional advice and is not a substitute for consultation with a healthcare professional. Please consult your healthcare professional for any medical questions. This episode was sponsored by Beatrice. We'd like to thank Beatrice again for their generous sponsorship. 